If you have a copy of God's Word, I want you to turn with me to Proverbs chapter 13, verse 20. Proverbs 13, verse 20. While you're looking that up, in two weeks, July the, I believe it's the 26th, we're going to be looking at the book of Proverbs and answering the question that some of you have been waiting for, and that is, what does the Bible say about alcohol about social drinking, about those kind of things. And we're going to answer that question not from a Baptist perspective, not from a Presbyterian's perspective, not from an American perspective, not from a European perspective. We're going to answer it from a biblical perspective. And this is what I can promise you. Many of you, We're probably not like some of the things that I say. And so just understand, regardless of what your view is on this, there's a good chance as we open up God's Word and speak about it, you may not like some of the things that I say. And so that's in two weeks. I hope you will be preparing your heart. I hope that you will be reading God's Word and being like the Bereans who take what I say and what anyone else says, and you will look at it through the lens of God's Word. Now, let me ask you a question as we get started this morning. How many of you are on Facebook? If you're on Facebook, raise your hand. If you've got a Facebook account, raise your hand. A lot of you, a lot of different ages of us are on Facebook. Facebook has created an amazing phenomenon in America that we've never had before. Through the medium of social media, we can now be friends with hundreds and even thousands of people that we've never met. We don't have anything in common with them. We may not even like them if we really knew them. But they can be what I like to call our virtual friends. We have virtual relationships with them. We read about their lives, we hear their rants, we laugh at their jokes, we feel their pain, we even pray for their needs, and and they've created something new. You can even send them money now, if you want to, on Facebook. And if we ever get tired of them or they say something we don't like, with a simple press of the button, we can just unfriend them We no longer can have anything to do with them, and it's virtually painless. Now, I think we would all agree that friendship is much more than just sending a friend request on Facebook. The truth is, God created us with an inherent need for friendship. In Genesis chapter 1, we are told that we were created in the image and the likeness of God. A God who has existed for all eternity as one God, and yet one God in relationship as three, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Our God is a relational God. And the Bible says that God created us in His image. That's why we read in Genesis chapter 2 verse 18 that God said it's not good for man to be alone. I am going to make a helper suitable 
for him. You see, life is meant to be lived in relationship with other people. God didn't create us to live in isolation. God created us to live in relation with others. Now, the truth is, there is no more formative factor in your life than your friendships. There is no more formative factor in your life than your friendships. They are the most formative factor. Here's what I've learned in, in 55 years of life. The people in your life are either going to make you or break you. They're either going to build you up or tear you down. They're going to bring out the best in you or they're going to bring out the worst in you. It all depends on the people you surround yourself with. Someone said it like this. You show me your friends and I will show you your future. You see, your friends are your future you. Now, I want you to listen to what Solomon said. Because it is vital as you seek to build relationships in your life. In chapter 13, verse 20, he said, Walk with the wise and become wise. Associate with fools and get in trouble. Now, that's one of the verses that I want you to post today. Because it is so important. You walk with the wise and you will become wise. You associate with fools And you're going to get yourself in trouble. Now, the word walk means to do life. It means to spend time with, to hang out, to be friends with. And what he's saying here is if your friends are wise, you're going to become even wiser. If your friends are fools, you will suffer. Now, the first part is a promise. The second part is a warning. Chuck Swindoll tells a story about two women who, who were from Southern California, the San Diego area, and, and they went into Mexico, Tijuana, to do some last-minute shopping for Christmas. And as they were getting ready to go home, they were getting back to their car, one of the ladies noticed this movement out in a ditch, and she went to it, and it looked like what seemed to be a small dog, a chihuahua that was shivering, that was cold, that seemed to be in pain. And and they felt sorry for this dog. And so they decided that they were going to take this dog home and they were going to nurse it back to hell. But they were right near the border and they knew that, that they probably couldn't take this dog across the border. And so they put it in the trunk. And when they crossed the border, they stopped and they got the dog out of the trunk, the chihuahua out of the trunk, and, and one of the ladies held it in a towel all the way home. And that night, they, they took the chihuahua, they, they washed it, they tried to nurse it to help, but nothing would help. The, the, the dog wouldn't eat. Nothing they did would help. So the next morning, they took this chihuahua to an emergency animal hospital. And when they got in, the doctor looked at the woman and said, well, where did you get this? And she said, because she didn't want to get in trouble, she said, well, well, a friend gave it to us to, to take care of. And the doctor wouldn't take that for an answer. He said, where did you get this? I'm not letting you leave until you tell me where you got it. And finally, she broke down and said, we found it in a ditch in Tijuana, and we felt sorry for it, and we wanted to nurse it back to health because we just love dogs. And he said, lady, this isn't a dog. 
This is a rabid Mexican river rat. And it is both dangerous and deadly. And the same thing that can be true of a river rat is certainly true of our friendships. If we choose the wrong friends, if we hang around with the wrong people, it can not only be dangerous to us, it can be deadly. C.H. Spurgeon said this, A man is known by the company he shuns as well as the company he keeps. George Washington said, Associate with men of good quality if you esteem your reputation. For it is better to be alone than to be in bad company. Here's what the Apostle Paul said. He said, do not be misled. Don't let anybody fool you. Bad company corrupts good character. Now that's the second verse I want you to post. Because choosing your friends wisely, unwisely, will end up corrupting you. I am convinced there are people in hell today because of the friendships they chose. Our prisons are filled with people today because of the friendships people have chosen. There are people today who were enslaved to habits controlling them and destroying them because of the friendships they have chosen. Now, as Solomon is is preparing his son for adulthood, and, and we've been talking about that. That is what Proverbs is about. It's a book written from a father to a son, preparing his son to live a wise, disciplined, prudent life. And as he is preparing his son for adulthood, he wants to talk to that son in the book of Proverbs about three different groups of people. And... And how we relate to and how we choose these three groups of people. Now, here's what Solomon says. He says of the first group, he said, we need to stay away from fools and foolish people. Understand, the Bible says, stay away from fools and foolish people. It can't get any clearer than Proverbs 14, verse 7. Listen to what it says. Stay away from fools. That's pretty clear, isn't it? It's it's, it's pretty incredible when your first point can be right out of God's Word. Stay away from fools. Now, in the Hebrew, there are three words that are all translated fool in the book of Proverbs. Now, together, these words seem to refer to someone who knows the difference between right and wrong... And yet they choose wrong anyway. They know what is right. They know what is wise. But they refuse to or they simply cannot make wise decisions. They are determined to go their way. They're determined to do their thing regardless of what is right. Regardless of of what is wrong. And we are told in the Word of God to stay away from that kind of person. Now, some of you inevitably are asking the question right now, well, wasn't Jesus a friend of sinners? Isn't that what the Bible says? And I would say absolutely. The Bible does say that. But I would say to that two things. One, you're not Jesus. Okay? You're you're not Jesus. 
Jesus was the sinless Son of God. You were born with a sinful nature that is prone to sin. So understand, everything that Jesus did in the culture in which he lived is not necessarily the wise thing for you and I to do born into sin in the culture that we live. So first of all, you're not Jesus. And unless you can deal with sin the same way Jesus dealt with sin, then don't put yourself in a situation where you're prone to fall. The second thing I would say is this. Jesus' primary friends, Jesus' closest friends, those he did life with were those who were hearing and responding to his message. You see, Jesus was friendly to everyone. But he did life with the people who were hearing him and responding to him. You see, if you want to be wise, you need to be selective in choosing your closest friends. Now, I want you to turn to another verse, Proverbs 18, verse 24. I want you to turn there. It's not on your note sheet, but it teaches an incredible truth. Listen to what it says. Proverbs 18, 24 says, A man of many companions may come to ruin, but there is a friend who seeks closer than a brother. There's two truths there. But, but what you need to do is you need to understand what that verse is saying. And, and a better translation of that verse is this. Some friends may ruin you, but a real friend is more loyal than a brother. That first word for friend, companion, is the Hebrew word rayah, which speaks of an associate, it speaks of a companion, and the word literally carries a negative connotation. In other words, Solomon is saying there are some people that if you associate with them, they will inevitably lead to your ruin. There are some people that just don't need to be your friends. Should you be friendly to them? You better believe it. But should they be your close friends? Absolutely not. Now Solomon speaks of a fool in, in a number of different ways in, in Proverbs. As a matter of fact, the word is found 52 times. He talks about a, a fool in his conduct, a fool in his money, a fool in his mouth. A fool and how he or she relates to their parents speaks often about a fool. But let me give you three groups that Solomon made it very clear that we need to be careful being around. We don't need to, or four groups, we don't need to elaborate on it. They're pretty self-explanatory. But I want to just give them to you and just give you a couple of verses. First of all, the wicked. We need to avoid close relationships with the wicked. Proverbs 24, 1. Do not envy the wicked. Do not desire their company. Proverbs 4, verses 4 verse 14. Do not set foot on the path of the wicked or walk in the way of evil men. So stay away from the wicked. Second, he says, stay away from the rebellious. Proverbs 24, 21. My child, fear the Lord and the king. Don't associate with rebels. Now, why does it say that? Fear the Lord. Because if you associate with rebels, mark my word, you're going to stand before him one day and you're not going to like it. Why does it say fear the king? 
Because if you associate with rebels, you're going to be not only in trouble with God Almighty, you're going to be trouble with the, in trouble with the ones who are in charge down here on earth as well. Now that word rebel can better be translated as one who acts in one way in one setting and acts in another way in another setting. The word is often translated to in the Hebrew. And so what it's saying is a rebel is someone who has two different ways of acting. They act this way around certain people. They act this way around other people. I mean, when I was growing up, I knew people like that. I mean, do you remember you who are, you are, who are older or you who have watched reruns? Do you remember the show Leave it to Beaver? You, you remember Beaver's older brother, Wally? You, you, come on, Joanne. <laughs> Wally, yes. Now, do you remember who Wally's friend was? Oh, Eddie Haskell. I mean, Eddie was that way, wasn't he? I mean, Eddie was always plotting, getting in trouble. And yet when he was before Beaver and Wally's parents, oh, he was on the best of behavior all the time. The rebel. And then he says, stay away from the hot-tempered. Proverbs 22. Don't befriend angry people or associate with hot-tempered people or you will learn to be like them and endanger your soul. And then he says, stay away from those without self-control. Proverbs 23. Don't associate with people who drink too much wine or stuff themselves with food. Drunkards and gluttons will be reduced to poverty. In, in other words, anyone who lacks self-control in areas of their life, you need to be careful associating with. So ask yourself, who are the people that I am choosing to do life with? Are they, are they lifting me up? Are they drawing me closer to Christ? Are they living and walking in Christ's likeness? Are they honest? Are they hardworking? Are they encouraging me to get involved in questionable or wrong activities? Stay away from fools. Next, he says, show love to your foes. Jesus said it this way in Matthew 5. He said, but I say, love your enemies. Now, Solomon tells us two things in regard to our enemies, our foes. First of all, he says you need to guard against bitterness when it comes to your foes. And that's something we all need to do. Because let's be honest, when someone does us wrong, when someone is out to destroy us, to hurt us, it's natural that we not only like, dislike them, we become bitter toward them. But listen to what Solomon said in chapter 24. He said, don't rejoice when your enemies fail. Don't be happy when they stumble. For the Lord will be displeased with you and will turn his anger away from them. That is pretty clear. When we say things like, they got what they deserve. Or we say, I hope they burn in hell. Hear me. That is exposing a problem of our heart. Now, it's tough not to do that. 
But when Jesus comes into our life, he changes us on the inside and he begins to change everything about us. When we rejoice, when bad things happen to our enemies, it is evident that a root of bitterness has begun to grow deep into our lives. So we need to guard against bitterness. You don't rejoice. You're not happy when your enemies come to ruin. It breaks your heart for what they are experiencing, according to Solomon. And then he says, second, we treat them with kindness. Proverbs 25 says, if your enemies are hungry, give them food to eat. If they are thirsty, give them water to drink. You will heap burning coals of shame on their heads, and the Lord will reward you. That's pretty clear. Treat them with kindness. Stay away from fools. Love your foes. And then third, seek out and become a wise friend. That's vital. That's why Solomon said in Proverbs 27, we must choose our friends carefully. Now, a lot of us have different ideas about what a friend is. Henry Ford gave us a, 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 a serious definition. He said a good friend is someone who brings out the best in you. That's a good definition, isn't it? A friend is going to bring out the best in you. Someone else gave us a less than serious definition, though it may be serious. They said a good friend is someone who doesn't buy your child a horn or a drum for their birthday. It's pretty good. The late Irma Bombeck said a friend is someone who won't go on a diet when you are fat. It's pretty good. Years ago, the UCLA basketball coach Pepper Rogers was having a terrible season. And, and he was getting all this mail and people just seemed to be be just ridiculing him left and right because the season was horrible and, and he just felt terrible and he felt like he had no friends. And he came home one day and his, his wife and himself got into a disagreement and he just sat down and he told her, he said, every man deserves to have two friends. And I've only got one, my dog. Well, the next day his wife went out and bought him another dog. We all need friends. But what kind of friends do we choose? Well, Solomon gave us some characteristics. I want to give them to you. I'm going to elaborate on some of them. Some I'm just going to give you because they're pretty self-explanatory. The first one is fairly self-explanatory. You need, if you're going to be a good friend and you want to choose good friends, you need to find someone who is Christ-like. Proverbs 2 verse 20 says, Follow the steps of the godly and stay on the right path. Who do you look up to? Who do you want to be like? Who do you want to hang out with? Solomon says that you need to walk with the godly. What we would say is you need to walk like those who are seeking to be Christ-like in their life. The second thing he said is that you need to seek to be and you need to seek out committed people. I would personally believe that that is the second most important characteristic and it's the key to lasting friendships. I want you to listen to what Solomon said, three different verses. Proverbs 17, verse 17, a friend loves at all times, 
A brother is born for adversity. In, in other words, what that means is, you know, family is family, right? Have you ever discovered that sometimes you don't like your family? <laughs> I mean, that's just a fact. I mean, brothers can just get into all kinds of arguments and disagreements. But here's what I've discovered about brothers. You know, your brother may just absolutely dislike you, but if there's a fight, your brother's going to be with you. Brothers are born for adversity. They might not want to hang out with you, but in difficult times, a brother is going to be there. But notice what he says here. He says, a friend loves at all times. Proverbs 18, 24, a man of many companions may come to ruin. We've talked about that, but there is a friend that sticks closer than a brother. In other words, he's not just there when you need him. He's there when you don't. Proverbs 20, verse 6, many will say they are loyal friends, but who can find one who is truly reliable? Now, that type of commitment is a dying trait. Today, a true friend loves at all times, not just when we're on the mountain, but when we're in the valley, not just when we're prosperous, but when we're poor, not just when we're right. A friend loves us even when we're wrong. A friend is someone who is in your corner when you're cornered. A friend is someone who takes sides. Have you ever heard someone say, well, I don't take sides. Friends take sides. Trust me, friends take sides. A friend is someone who knows everything about you and still loves you. I heard a story about the Lone Ranger and Tonto and they were riding on their horses one day and they came up to the top of a hill and they discovered that they were surrounded by a thousand Indians who were on the war path. And the Lone Ranger turned to Tonto and said, Tonto, what do you think we should do? And, and Tonto said, what do you mean we, pale face? <laughs> A true friend is committed. They are loyal all the time. They're not fair-weathered friends. Do you know how to discover who your real friends are? Do you really want to know? Let me tell you. You find out who your real friends are when you make a mistake. Not a little one, but a big one. You make a big honking mistake. And the people who stick with you, they may disagree with you, they may admonish you, but they will not leave you. Those are your real friends. And unfortunately, most friends, friends today are like rats on a sinking ship. I mean, if we mess up and we blow it, they're out of here in a heartbeat. Someone said the role of a friend is to stick with you when you're wrong. Everybody will stick with you when you're right. So commitment, Christ-likeness. Here's the third thing. A, a friend, a good friend, whether you're talking about you or you're looking for a friend, is confidential. The quickest way to kill a friendship is to reveal things that are said in confidence. Before you'll ever get really close to a person, there must be an ability to trust that person with whatever you say. In Proverbs 11, it says, A gossip betrays a confidence, but a trustworthy man keeps a secret. 
Proverbs 17 says, He who covers over an offense promotes love, but whoever repeats the matter separates close friends. Most people never have a friend that they can trust at that level, a person where you can share your hurts and your weaknesses, your struggles, your concerns, and you know that they will never be repeated. Here's what I've discovered. Most people don't even have a relationship like that with their spouse. But understand, we all need that. Because we will never truly be accountable to someone until we can trust them with everything. Perhaps you've heard the story about the three pastors that went out fishing one day. And as they were out fishing, they decided that they were going to tell their deepest, darkest struggles. And the one man said, well, I struggle with greed. I love money and the things that money can buy. The other man said, I struggle with lust. It, it, it seems like I can't pass a, a, a pretty woman without, without lusting. The third pastor said, well, I struggle with gossip, and I can't wait to get back to shore to tell everybody. <laughs> Confidential. We've got to have confidence that what we say is, is going to stick between us and the person we talk to. Candy. A good friend is candid. When I go to the doctor, I want to know if something's wrong. Don't you? I mean, I want him to be honest with me. I don't want him to tell me everything's okay. If my cholesterol is sky high, if my blood pressure is, is out of control, and my, my blood sugar level is, is all out of kilter, I want him to tell me, what are you doing? What are you eating? Get off of your rear end and start exercising. Quit eating all that food on fried food. I want him to be honest with me. I want, don't want him to look in my eyes and tell me everything's okay when I'm a, a walking time bomb. A true friend is honest. A true friend will level with us and tell us the truth even when it hurts. We all have blind spots. Blind spots that either we don't see or we don't want to see and we need someone that loves us enough to step into our life and say, you need to be careful in this area. We need someone that will tell us if we're headed in the wrong direction, if we're making the wrong decision, if we're blowing it. This is what Solomon said. He said, an honest answer is like a kiss of friendship. Proverbs 27, an open rebuke is better than a hidden love. The heartfelt counsel of a friend is as sweet as perfume and incense. Now, how do we do that? Let me give you a, a couple of helps, okay? Because some of you will say, well, amen, at least I'm good at one of them. I tell it like it is. And can I tell you that if that's your attitude, you've totally missed the point on what it means to be candid. Because you need to listen to the next point we're going to talk about. But here's some, here's some helps for being candid. When you're being candid with someone, you compliment in public. You correct in private. You, you, don't, you don't go out there this morning, out in the foyer, and you see someone and say, Hey, hey, come over here. Need to talk to you for a minute. Need to talk to you about all the things you're doing wrong. That's how some of us are. 
You, you compliment in public. You correct in private. Second, you correct people when they're up, not when they're down. I mean, if someone's already down, they've hit rock bottom, they don't need you to kick them. They need you to hug them. They need you to love them. They need you to pick them up. And then finally, you never correct until you've proven that one, you love, and two, you're willing to be corrected. (laughs) Did you hear me? You never correct until, one, you've proven you love. You've been there when everybody else has turned their back. And you've proven that you're willing to be corrected. So candid. And then the fourth thing is constructive. A friend builds up rather than tearing down. And understand, sometimes you have to clear ground. Sometimes you have to take some things away before you can start building up. But a friend is there to build up, not to tear down. Are you a healer or are you a herder? Proverbs 27, verse 17 says, As iron sharpens iron, so a friend sharpens a friend. You see, the Bible says that that you are shaping the people you spend time with, and the people you spend time with are shaping you. That's why it's so important as we choose our friends, because we're wanting to choose people that are going to help build us up and help us become everything that God wants us to be. And so here's what Solomon says. He says, stay away from fools, love your foes, And seek out and become a wise friend. But before we close, I just want to point out one other thing. And that is the Bible teaches that there is a friend that each and every one of us needs. I love what it says in James chapter 2 verse 23. It says this. And so it happened just as the scriptures say. Abraham believed God, and God counted him as righteousness because of his faith. And then listen to what it says. He was even called the friend of God. Each and every one of us need Jesus as a friend. When I was growing up, we would sing a song. Often we we don't hardly sing it anymore, but but the, the first Two lines were so important. It went like this. What a friend we have in Jesus. And then the second line. All our sins and griefs to bear. Wow. That's a loyal friend, isn't it? Someone who loves us so much that they take us right where we are. And then loves us so much that they are willing to get down and dirty in helping us deal with all the junk in our life and become all that He created us to be. What a friend we have in Jesus. All our sins and griefs to bear. Here's what I believe. We will never be able to truly be a wise friend until we have Jesus as the one true friend.
And so do you know him? Do you love him? Has he changed your life? How do we receive him? Well, the Bible says we admit our sin, all our sins and griefs to bear. We believe that he loves us so much that he came to earth to die on the cross for our sins. And we commit our life to him. It's as simple as an ABC. I admit my need. I believe that Jesus loved me so much he died for my sin in my place. And I commit my life to him. You say, is there another way? That's it. The Bible makes it clear that no one can come to him until they first acknowledge their sin. You can't come to him until you believe that he is the only one who can take your sin away. And you're not going to ever really come to him until you commit your life to him. If you're going to commit eternity to him, then you certainly are going to commit the present to him. How could you ever trust him with eternity if you can't trust him with the here and now? So have you acknowledged your sin? Have you placed your faith, your belief in Jesus? Have you committed your life to him if you haven't? I want you to accept Jesus as your friend who will never leave you, who will never forsake you. I want you to bow your head with me, with your head bowed and with your eyes closed. If you're here and you've never given your heart and life to Jesus, I want you to pray this prayer right now. Dear Jesus, I come to you this morning admitting my sin. I need you. I need the forgiveness that only you can bring. I know you love me. You proved it by dying in my place on the cross. I'm asking you to save me. I'm asking you to change me. Come into my heart and to my life and make me new, I pray. Amen. Now, if you prayed that prayer, welcome to God's family. And here's what I want to encourage you to do. On that communication card, there's a box. I prayed today to become a lifelong follower of Jesus. If you prayed that prayer, let us know. But as you leave here, let me challenge you. Be wise. Stay away from fools. No matter how young or how old you are. Love your foes. Don't seek out the worst for them. Pray for the best for them. And then seek to become and choose wise friends.